Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. Now, to tell you, I uh, I went back to the gym. And I went back not for a New Year's resolution because, you know, I hate the gym. It bores me. But Joanne said to me, she said, you know what? She said, you know, you had a heart problem three years ago. I want to spend a lot of time with you. I want to spend my life with you. So you have to get in shape. So I got up and I went to the gym. And I'm going to tell you something. Here is why I hate the gym. Well, one, the trainers at my gym are just awful. They just, they do not look like trainers. They basically look like guys who be selling, selling appliances at Best Buy. And secondly, just some people are just so stupid in a gym. I get, no, my gym, it's cheap. It's in Burbank. It's cheap. So that some of the equipment doesn't work. So I get on a treadmill. It was Saturday at like eight in the morning and I'm, I'm doing the treadmill and I'm watching the news and it's obvious a treadmill next to me isn't working because there's no power. But of course, some lady has to walk up, just looks at it, doesn't do anything else, and then looks at me and says, is this working? And I'm like, no, it's not working. I'll start to be on it. So I'm going to try to go. I went this weekend. I've been busy this week, but I promised Joanne I would go. So I do want to shed five pounds because some of my 33 waists are getting a little tight. So anyway, enough about that. We have a great show. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, my guest, I got in touch with him on Facebook, and I've seen him on TV a bunch. And he came on the show. My guest is Bill Brocktrop. Hey, how are you? How you doing, Bill? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I got the name right. Yeah, yeah, you said it right. It's a, it's a, it's a very annoying last name. Well, no, it's you know it's funny. It's one of those things that you're right. People would look at it because it's B R so B R O C H. They might think Brock, but Brock sound it's it sounds right. Yeah, it's Brock Trump. It's yeah. uh, you see these letters C H T R next to each other, and it's very confusing to people. Now, what nationality is that? It's a German name. Okay, but we didn't know that for a long time. I mean, it's 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 not very popular in Germany. I've not. Found. I've been in. I, I, I when I was in Germany a number of times. I, I looked for people with that name and everything. They there don't seem to be a lot of them there. But uh, then I, I was in an audition once, and a director said to me, "Oh, it's a Westphalian name, uh, which is the area on the German-Dutch border." Isn't that cool though? I mean, just from auditioning that you, you someone told you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I didn't get the job, but I yeah. got some good family information. <laughs> so that was that was awesome. Now I, I did some. I was looking up. You know, you you were born in L.A. I was. I was born in Inglewood. Okay, and now. Did you grow up in L.A.? Uh, we grew up, uh, when I was quite young, I lived at first in uh, like uh, Westchester area and then in um, South Pasadena. And then we moved down to Orange County. I lived in Mission Viejo. But by the time I was in third grade, we moved up to uh, the Seattle area. And so I feel like that's where I really grew up. And when I think of home, I think of that being the place. Now, from a young age, did did you know you wanted to get into acting? Because I always, it's like, you know, everyone's so different. Like, we don't know when... You know, like I did comedy for a while, but I didn't learn to like when I got out of college, I wanted to get into it. Did you know? I mean, when did you when did you start? Did you were you a fan of the arts as a kid or when did you start to decide I want to act for my 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 profession? You know, I really was one of those kind of annoying kids who always knew that they wanted to do it. I wanted to, you know, I was in all the school plays and that that whole kind of thing. Um, And then I went to uh, I mean, I was in like the high school drama club, all that all that 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 entails and um uh then i went to nyu so i was an acting student there so yes it was always my plan it was i felt i could not be deterred from it um it's funny now because i look at so many of the actors that i admire so many talented people have had other lives and came from other backgrounds and makes them very interesting people and um i sometimes wish oh i wish i had done other things perhaps but this was always what i wanted to do and this is uh so, so that's what's happened. I got to ask you, though, because it's just because you grew up in L.A. And, and then you went to Seattle. But still, you're on the West Coast. And then, I mean, New York's great. I grew up I grew up near Philadelphia. But what were you thinking to move into the cold and the winter? I mean, was it something that you because you wanted to get into theater? Is that what, why you moved oh, no. to New York? Oh, to New York. Well, I was um, when I graduated high school in Tacoma, I was like um, Tacoma, Washington. Uh, I. I I couldn't wait to get out like a lot of a lot of people, you know, out of their hometowns. I was like, I've, I've got to get out of this place. Um, it's actually a very nice place. But at the time, it seemed um, you know, small and and uh, oh, I'm sure I thought I was far more sophisticated than uh, than the place can handle. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, little did I know. Right. And so uh, uh, when the opportunity came to go to NYU, I, I was like, absolutely. I wanted to, I, I really wanted to get to New York. I, I, I sort of couldn't be stopped. Um, sometimes now I look back at that and think it was not probably the wisest choice. And I feel like, um, as far as college goes, I feel like I missed some of those, uh, you know, I, uh, Ivy Halls kind of days, you know, like hanging around the quad and stuff. Cause NYU is a, 
you know, it doesn't really have a campus. It's you're sort of in the middle of, of Manhattan and it's awesome. And, uh, you know, but I lived, I lived uh, <clears throat> all over the city at different times. You know, they have dorms, but as soon as you leave the dorm, you know, you're out on your own just living in New York. And so I feel like I kind of missed the college experience, the sort of, uh, you know, the people who go to small liberal arts colleges enjoy. I, I know what you're saying because my, my brother went to uh, FIT in Manhattan and he lived on campus, yeah. but still, but it's still, you're right. It's not campus. I mean, when you walk out and it's New York city, the best no, city, it's just, it's you know, just, it's like this building is NYU and Oh, that building over there is NYU right. and that, that building around the corner is NYU. But you don't, I didn't feel the, the, the kind of collegiate feeling that people love about college. And so that was, that was New York. And, um, uh, I, I went back to Seattle after that. So you um, graduated? No, I didn't. I didn't finish. I did, didn't finish. Did you go to the Tisch School? Yeah. Okay, so you mm-hmm. went to the Tisch School. Mm-hmm. And now, why did did you just get frustrated? Or did you just I feel- did get frustrated. I don't want to bash the Tisch School. You know, they have produced awesome people and they do a very good job. But it was, I found it very difficult. Um, I think it was, uh, you know, honestly, I didn't expect to get into the psychology of all this so quickly. But I don't know if it was that I was depressed when I was 20 or... Um, in a dark place, but a lot of the conservatory programs, and if you've talked to a lot of actors, maybe maybe this has been their experience, uh, or you've heard this kind of thing before, maybe. But I feel like a lot of the conservatory programs like that kind of want to tear people down. There seemed to be an idea of, oh, you're all the stars of your high school, you know, which I guess we were, and we are gonna we're gonna tear you down and strip away all your bad habits and everything, and then we'll build you back up. And clearly, uh, the build back up part. Uh, <laughs> didn't quite happen for me so much. I felt the tear down part uh, very, very clearly. So my confidence was real messed up. And I, I went home at Christmas in my junior year and I was like, I, I just can't go back. I just can't go back there. I always, it's funny because I've heard people say that before and it always, it always makes me. It, Have you? Because now I feel stupid that no, I said it. No, no, no. It always makes me, and I've heard people say it before. It, it always, what makes me, what I agree with you is, you know, if you're going to go into the arts and no matter what performing it is, you know, we're all sensitive. It's a given. If you want to act, you write. We're sensitive people, and we're all a little bit insecure. I mean, I'm insecure. Everyone is. Yeah, totally. And when and then these teachers rip you down, and it's like you're not helping someone grow. And I felt like that a lot. Like I, you know, it's like people. It's like you want to grow as an actor, but they should they should coach you. I just feel like sometimes I've gotten from people. It may not have been. It may have been just the place where I was at the time or something. But uh, yeah, it really messed with my confidence. I mean, I felt like I felt like I, I didn't know how to speak. I didn't know how to breathe. I mean, like I didn't know how to walk. Like literally, like I felt sort of paralyzed by the whole thing. Um, that everything I did was wrong. You don't know how to breathe, and uh, you're not using your voice properly. And I, everything that I did seemed to be uh, hopeless. And um, uh, maybe everyone else didn't have that experience, or maybe I was hopeless. It's quite likely no, that they were correct. <laughs> I think a lot of people do though have that experience. I think you're, I'm glad you talked about it because I, I do. I hear that from people that they. It is. It, it's, and I hear it from com- comedians who would go to a comedy club, and the comedian, the the manager would just be a jerk, and he would like just like. And I understand said, tough love. I understand tough love, and I understand those things now. And as I say, it may well have just been that I was in a, I couldn't handle it. I was uh, whatever the reasoning. Um, but I went back to Seattle. Um, uh, I mean, when I when I when I went home for Christmas, I was like, I can't go back. And so I left Tacoma, I moved up to Seattle. That's about an hour's difference, you know. Uh, just about an hour apart, but Seattle was like the big city, and it worked out pretty well because I got my my uh, SAG card and my equity card and everything while I was up there. So uh, I started, you know, working up there, and then I always had assumed I would move back to New York, but uh, in the interim, I'd had some friends who'd moved, you know, NYU friends who'd moved to LA, and were like, "Oh, you should come down here. You should come down here." So I did, and. Uh, I was 21 and I've been here ever since, which is crazy long time. See, that's great. I mean, well, in Seattle, because I, I also heard Seattle had a pretty uh, happening theater scene. It was small, it but did. I, it did. Like Brian Finney and Jillian Armanante and all those yeah, people absolutely. were up there and, and they said they were starting it out. And it's cool because, you know, and I'm, I'm a big Seattle sound music fan. And it just seems like at that time, you know, when the music was coming out and the, and the, and the, the theater scene was opening, it must have just been a really great place to be a young person because you had a you know the 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 art was seattle is awesome it's an awesome city and um i i i really loved it and i 
I always sort of had in the back of my mind that I would come down to LA for a little while and see, you know, because I was 21, I thought I should go and see what happens there. But in the back of my mind, I always thought, you know, if somehow this doesn't work out or something, I can go back to Seattle and, and people have great theatrical careers there. And so that was always in my, my mind. I just ended up staying here. But that was that's like an al- alternative, uh, you know, lifetime I, I, that I think about sometimes. What if I'd gone up there and stayed? I think it slowed down a lot, you, you know, the theater scene up there because it has all over the place. But um, at the time, it was it was it was the place to be. So you had decided to come down here and, and you lived down here when you were younger. So you had a little idea of I did well I had a grandmother who lived in Newport Beach you know so there was like someone in Orange County (laughs) the Orange County grandmother but um otherwise um you know and the family didn't have any connections in show business or anything like that in fact I feel like I feel like the entire uh first year I was here I sat around with the like you know two NYU friends eating pizza watching MTV and and not doing anything else because we didn't know how to even get started in the in, in the business so yeah, so you came down, and I, but you were SAG when you came down. So I did have my SAG card; that was helpful. So that was helpful. So yeah, I mean, it's like coming down then, unlike now, where you can go on the internet and find everything. I mean, oh it's yeah, like, yeah, we just we didn't know the difference between an agent and a manager, and a, I mean, I just didn't. We were pretty stupid. Um, <laughs> you know, what I mean, about or naive about the business and how things worked. I, I really was. Um, uh, but I did get agents right right away, uh, which was great. Uh, not great agents, but I had agents, and so I, I started, um, you know, going out on on going out for commercials, going out for 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 soap operas and guest stars and on little bits and things here. But I didn't get very much stuff at the beginning. You know, I was on I was on a lot of really bad shows. I I did Divorce Court and. Um, uh, they, they were they, I, they probably don't even remember these kind of shows. These like hideous kind of daytime afternoon the, the, family court. I think there was one called. The funny thing about the court show is so many people think they're real. <laughs> well, this isn't even like Judge Judy. This is like this was this was like this was actually you know actors playing uh, okay. reenacting these court things. Wow, they were bad. So I did. I played a couple of teenage rapists and things on well, that. That's that always, was always a good time. That's always, that's always good for the rest. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Russian boys, things like that. Because uh, I could do some accents, so I played like Russians, and I played. Uh, uh, oh, wow, wow, those were those were kind of dark days. Now that I think about it, <laughs> sort but, of grim. But you did have a you got a part on Murder She Wrote. Uh, and you know who loved that? My grandmother in Newport Beach. Wow, I'm, she was obsessed with uh, Murder She Wrote, so she's very happy about that. Was that one of your first bigger roles on a TV show? Yeah, yeah, it, well, it was. I was very excited to be on that because you know that's Angela Lansbury, and my grandmother watched it. Right. So, and it was um, a huge show. I mean, it's back then; t- tons of people watched yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was. A, it's actually, I have to say, Angela Lansbury was the nice, nicest, most professional. Uh, oh my God, she was awesome. She's. I, 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 I was a real. It was a real treat to get to do scenes with her. Um, and that was a big, a big thing for me. I was really happy to have done it. Now, what was it? I mean, was it, was it one audition? I mean, did you get it easily? I mean, cause you, you've been in small parts and it must be something where you sit there and go, wow, I was on divorce code, but now I can go and murder. Sure. I mean, it must be a little bit. Well, of- I was just kind of working my way up, you know, getting, uh, uh, um, a few auditions, you know, the, truthfully what happened is I, I think that I was pretty bad for the first number of years I was here. Um, I think I overacted my way through a lot of auditions. I think I kind of pushed things and overacted and was trying to fit in, trying to be what I thought, you know, they want or what I'm supposed to be. So I think I really kind of overacted through a lot of things. And I, I remember distinctly uh, an audition for this uh, movie, The Week, uh, uh, and I, I playing this travel agent. And I thought to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to do as little as possible. I'm just going to do, I'm going to try and do absolutely nothing and just see what happens. And of course, I got that job. So I thought, oh, isn't okay? Well, that's an interesting lesson because I think, uh, you know, for the film stuff, like they say, it's in your eyes, it's in what you're doing, it's it's you don't have to do a lot of stuff. And I think I uh, that was a little bit of an awakening for me. Now, when you're down here doing the auditioning and getting the murder she mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that, were you doing theater too, or were you just? Yeah, I was always doing plays. Um, you know, the 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 99C theater world has been a very important thing for me. Um. Uh, there's been some controversy in it this year. I don't know how familiar people are, but there's been a lot of controversy in Los Angeles, a small theater scene um, with actors' equity and actors. And um, but th- this this whole kind of uh, intimate theater in Los Angeles has been a very important thing for me. And I spent m- my entire career since I got down here, I was doing parts in those things and you know, learning and growing and um, uh, meeting people. And it's been that's been my kind of 
home base uh, since I've been here. Well, the small theater thing I think is great. I mean, I, and I, you know, not what happened, but I think, I mean, I, I remember when it was, you were going through the vote, I actually had Larry Poindexter come on. Oh yeah. Right. And uh, talk about it. And I know you're involved in the out, out, I can't pronounce it. Antias. Yeah. You're Antias you're, theater company. Yeah, yeah. And I've had Prosky on and uh, yeah, but, Tony but, Amadina. Numbers. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, I think what stinks is, you know, the one thing that made LA special is that you could sit there and you can go see an actor that you see on TV and you can pay 15 bucks and see a great performance. And then all of a sudden it's like, you want to take that away and it stinks. There's nothing like sitting there going, you have friends coming down and you go, Hey man, there's, you know what? I can see this guy from a TV show at a small theater. Yeah, I go, I go, it, yes. an awesome scene. And it's not ending and equity's not ending it. Um, that's a whole, whole controversial thing. And I probably best not to talk right. about it in this venue, but, um, uh, it's been a very important part of my life. So yes, all the, all during that time I was doing, uh, uh plays in these small theaters. And in fact, it, uh, I, I I like to think of myself as kind of the poster boy for these theaters because it, I, I'm like the success story of it. I I'm I, I mean very lucky to be because it was doing a small play um, on on Melrose, you know, a little theater on Melrose um, that I was seen by the people from NYPD Blue, and that's how I got involved with that show, and then that gave me a a, a career, and um, and of course the finances then to continue doing small theater. After that, right now, now your first though you you were on public morals, right? No, I was I oh. I, I went in um, uh, I was doing a play called Raft of the Medusa, uh, which is about an uh, an AIDS support group, um, a support group for people with AIDS, and uh, people from uh, NYPD Blue saw it and uh, remembered me a little while later when they had this part come up uh, of John Irvin, this this uh, uh, sort of receptionist PAA, it's called a uh, sort of a secretary there, and, and uh, they were looking to replace Gail O'Grady, who had been playing Donna Abandondo. That's the she was the you know beautiful blonde bombshell uh, on the right. show, and she was going to be away for a couple of weeks, and they wanted someone to come in and like be a temp for her. Uh, uh, and so, and they wanted this kind of outrageous gay character, and um, that's what I had played in the in the play that they'd seen, and they remembered me and brought me in for that, and. Uh, um, it was meant to be for two episodes, uh, which was a big thing for me because it was a huge, big show. Um, and yeah, what's that like? I mean, it's got to be, you know, I mean, you know, you're sitting there and I remember MIP do was huge because one, it was a great show, but also it was, you know, oh, they showed Dennis Franz's yeah, ass. Yeah. Or, like, it was always like something, <laughs> yeah. oh, this, like, and it was like controversy, which now would be nothing. But as an actor, you know, it must be, well, first of all, you must be very, uh, must have been very complimented that they they wanted you to audition from a play they saw you in. But how does it when you sit there and you you know and you, you're an actor and you're working and you said you're working on your craft, then all of a sudden you get a chance to be in a big show. And and what people a lot of listeners don't understand is, and I say this all the time and I repeat myself, back then there wasn't a ton of TV shows. There was maybe not well, there were lot. less networks. I mean, they certainly didn't have all the cable right. shows. Um, this so, was in 1995. Yeah, so there's it's a huge show. So were you nervous going in for the audition, or did you know that? No, was I was it, very nervous about it. But I, I, you know, they kind of made it clear to me that it was sort of mine to lose. I don't think they were yeah. seeing a huge amount of people for it. Um, uh, but it was it was two episodes on a on a on a, a show much bigger than anything I'd I'd been on before, a much bigger part. And um and was going to recur, so that was you know very exciting to me. Um, the first day I was yeah I was extremely nervous. Oh my gosh, because it was Dennis Franz and Jimmy Smits and um and I had a massive amount of dialogue for for what I was used to you know because right. I I've been doing much smaller parts on things you know what I mean I had had a, my biggest job until then had been sort of a, a recurring part on Days of Our Lives where I played the you know, one of the characters was going to the police academy, and I was like his friend from the police academy, and I I didn't have that much to say, <laughs> you know, and that and that had been my biggest thing before that. I've been very happy to have that too, and actually I I, I think very fondly of those days on Days of Our Lives. It's a great show, um, but this was a this was a whole different you know league of of stuff for me, and uh uh. The, and there's all, and, and you know when they're filming this, and especially when you're establishing a character on a show, all the producers come down and everyone's there watching. And um, my first entrance was walking into the squad room and seeing um, Dennis Franz and Jimmy Smith playing the two detectives. And I was supposed to have, I was supposed to have known uh, Jimmy Smith's character from from a previous gig or something. And Dennis Franz, you know, is a very homophobic, uh, uh, you know, surly Lieutenant Sipowitz. And I was supposed to uh, look over to. Uh, um, 
to Jimmy Smith and say, Detective, hello. And I kind of waved and I was like, Detective, hello. And I kind of this big, <laughs> this big, you know, wave across the thing, uh, which gets a rise out of, out of Dennis's character. And I could see all of the producers and, and the director on the side, like going like, yes, yes, like exactly what we wanted. And I thought, okay, that's, that's good. That's really good. And, um, so if you ever, if anyone ever, if you ever come across that, that first episode I was in, um, you can see that it's it's really playing out just like it happened on a on the show. It was very exciting, and it was a thrilling it was a really thrilling time. Very heady for me. Well, it must be great. But then and I think what's better is that you know you're only supposed to be on for two episodes. They end up being on for 150 something. <laughs> yeah. So how did that happen? Like they just they sat there and they you came in and you did the two episodes, and then they said, you know what, we really like this character. I mean, I mean as an as an actor, you you're seeing this unfold, and you know it's your life. It's your you know you know like to being on a big sick you know show yeah. it's like but how did how was the whole process because i think it's fascinating that you start off with two episodes and end up being yeah. recurring and recurring and regular i mean how what was the it whole was, course it was really like i said it was a heady time i it was very thrilling to me um i i i, I still feel like I, I i won the lottery you know i just feel like i i very very lucky um so i i did the two episodes and then david milch who's the you know the genius and and people throw that word genius around all the time but he really is a he's a genius he's extremely smart so talented um and uh, one day on the set david said to me uh oh yeah so uh in the next episode you're going to do such and such oh no 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 oh, that's the one after that in the next one you're going to do such and such and i thought okay wow so they're he's just kind of keeping me going and they did keep me going and when gail o'grady came back because she was just away for a while I think she was doing a, a movie the week of her own when she came back and they didn't really need another, you know, secretary. Uh, they made up that I had a job upstairs. So I, I just worked, you know, upstairs somewhere in the, from the squad room. And I, and they would bring me down um, every few episodes. I'd come, you know, sort of bopping down the stairs to say something or give some information. And they sort of kept that going, you know, for the rest of that. That was season two of NYPD Blue. They kept me going for the rest of that entire season. I was in all the episodes. and. Then um, uh, uh, Stephen Bochco called me up and said, um, you know, we can keep you on NYPD Blue, but we have another show that's coming and we think you might be right for that. And I was like, okay. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> I was like, sure. You know, Stephen Bochco is like, you know, the the best producer in television. I thought, oh, well, I, you know, whatever, whatever you, whatever you guys want. So they were doing a show called Public Morals, which was a... Um, a sitcom, and he had not done sitcoms before. And Jay Tarsus was the other producer, and they um, they were going to do a, a sitcom uh, about the public morals uh, division of the police. That's the people who do like it's Vice Squad, you know, it's prostitution and gambling and all those fun topics. Right. And um, <laughs> um, um, rife, you know, for humor. And um, uh, so, so they they had the idea that that this character John that I play would on NYPD Blue would just be on that show. So I, I went from doing, uh, you know, NYPD Blue to bringing that same character to this sitcom. Um, it seemed like a very good idea. It was supposed to be like a Barney Miller kind of a show. Um, sadly, it just, you know, I guess it was pretty bad. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's also, it's also something, as you said, you know, especially back then, you know, people, now people are different because, you know, we've, we've come to watch shows where the bad guy is the hero but back then you, a lot of people weren't finding humor in yeah it just drugs didn't, and sex yeah, and, it, just know, didn't, <laughs> it just didn't work it was a great idea great people um and really fun and i i feel like um it was a kind of a little piece of history to have moved you know taken one character and moved him from a uh you know a, a drama to a sitcom we made 13 of them and uh, they showed one Okay. Uh, so it had, it aired once, uh, which is which um, at the time gave it a, a little um, notoriety, you know, because it was like, wow, they just yanked that thing off the air. Um, and once that was sad. And then uh, once that finished, though, they said, OK, well, um, we have another show that's coming. And so uh, we have a show called Total Security, which is going to be with James Remar and Jim Belushi. It's about a detective agency. I think the idea was it was supposed to be kind of a. Um, 
like a like a hybrid, a comedy drama. I mean, now we now there's a lot of things that have that tone that have right. kind of a it's it's not it's a, it's a drama, but it's kind of funny. Uh, it's, you know, it, I think they were looking back to the Rockford Files. I think that was kind of you remember that show, the Rockford yeah, Files. So, I think yeah, it they, was I think it was meant to have that tone to it. And uh, they brought me on to play not the same character, but uh, uh, the office manager who worked uh, you know in the, who ran this detective agency where these guys were working, and. Um, you know, we made 13 of those, and I thought it was going to be great, and they had six of them. Well, at least <laughs> you were going up Yeah, we were going up, six. right? Yeah. And so I was like, wow, that's that's terrible. Um, and it was <laughs> – actually, we filmed around the corner uh, from Dharma and Greg. Remember that show, Dharma and yeah, Greg? Yeah, I had a friend who was on that, and I was visiting the set over there one day, and um, – uh, they wheeled in a big cake for those guys. With, with it, it, these shows premiered at the same time, Total Security and Darmageddon. They wheeled in a big cake for them from the network, and I thought, oh, we're in trouble because <laughs> we didn't you get got anything. A, you got a Twinkie. We got, got nothing. Like, here's a Twinkie. Oh, we what? received <laughs> nothing. So I, that that show is also short lived. But and this is why this seems like a fairy tale story to me in many ways. Uh, and I, um, uh, one day, walking, you know, leaving from from Total Security, David Milch came up to me and he said, so. Um, you want to come home? Uh, meaning NYPD Blue. And I said, yeah. Okay. And he goes, good. Short conversation. And he walked away. And then they wrote me into, they brought the, you know, they had, throughout that time, I had, you know, bopped down the stairs every once in a while to say something. But uh, Gail Grady had left the show at that point and they were needing another, you know, receptionist, this PAA. And so that's what he said. You want to come home? Short conversation. And they brought me back, and that was in the that was in the sixth season of NYPD Blue, and um, so I became a series regular at that time, and then I did all the rest of them, and we did twelve uh, seasons. So um, it ended up being it ended up being um, almost exactly to the day ten years from when I started to when I finished. Isn't that amazing though? It's just it, that's just so you're right. It is like a fairy tale because you uh, actually yeah. you went to a, a sitcom playing the same character, and I bet the funny thing is, I bet if that sitcom had aired more. You may have not been able to go back. Yeah, it's interesting. So you know, that's one of those things where you think like, maybe things work out for the best. What seemed like a terrible thing at the time, canceling a show after one episode, uh, maybe, maybe it all worked out for the best. Because, and in truth, you know, I always wanted to go back to NYPD Blue because I I love that show. I love the people there, and I always wanted. And I knew this character, um, I knew this character had potential. Uh, David Milch said to me on the first on the first day, back on that very first day of filming when I was so nervous, he said to me, uh, he said, play it real. And he goes, this guy takes care of the people in this squad. That's what you do. You take care of the people here. And if you do that, the character will have legs. And so it wasn't me. It was him thinking that up. Uh, it was smart of me, though, I think, to follow his instructions. Uh, so, yeah. so that's what I that's what I tried to do. Um, you know, for all those years, for the 10 years that I was playing that part whenever i would be stuck or something i would think to myself i take care of the people in this squad uh, that's what i do i take care of the people here and so um you know a, a, a good direction like that can last you a long time now how did your life change because you're on a huge hit it's as i said it's not like if you had never you know if you had acted and you had done public morals and it was just that one episode no one really know who you are yeah but no what's that like i mean i, I always think it's like because and back then, as I said, there wasn't as many TV shows. And when it's a huge hit, your life must just change. I mean, people must recognize you. And I'm sure in a good way. I'm sure you get some good free stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have I, I, yeah, some nice free swag. Absolutely. Um, that's very good. Yeah, I got a lot of hair products and uh, you know, <laughs> things like that. Awesome. Um, you know, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I, I feel like I've had a very nice... Uh, a, a taste of fame you know uh it's i i've had enough recognition to know what it's like i mean i've i've been recognized places I, i'm I, i'm recognized places now people reach out you know on facebook people reach out you know on twitter whatever um i i've gotten to go on the you know the corporate jet i've 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 uh, been very lucky in all those things i've uh, got to travel and go places and have other people pay for it um all that kind of stuff is wonderful, um, but I've never had to deal with the sort of downside of all of that, which you know, the lack of privacy, the the uh, invasion into your life. Uh, my fame was never has never been big enough, you know, to to warrant that. And 
but I've had a taste of what it is. And so I, I feel like satisfied because I know what it is. Um, and I think that many actors who have not been lucky enough to have that taste don't know. And I feel lucky to have been like invited to the banquet and I've sort of sampled the stuff and been like, hey, this food's awesome. But you don't need to gorge on it. Right, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah, that's good. That's, that, that's good that you're like, that's why you, I think you're also, that's why your career has lasted because you didn't gorge on it. I think a lot of times some people go over a little overboard. You can see they, people get their heads turned. I mean, I've seen, and we all have, you know, seen people get their heads turned by a little taste of fame. They think it's going to last forever. I, I think I was very lucky because, uh, because I was o- older when this happened. I was like 28 before, uh, you know, so I had spent quite a few years struggling, you know, from 21 to 28 doing, you know, divorce court and, the, and, right. and a couple other, like, you know, a few days here and there on something. Uh, but I, but what I've seen more is people who get here young, get something. If I had gotten something when I was 21, when I first got here, if I'd gotten some big job or something, that's when I, I see people getting their heads turned. Uh, and, and they think, oh, well, this was so easy. It will always be like this. And right. it was so hard for me to make it through those years. And, and, um, uh, the struggle, you know, I feel like I felt like by the time NYPD Blue came, I feel like my time was running out. I was like, oh, you got somebody, some very annoying manager had told me that if you didn't make it by the time you were 30, it was over. So um, I had that, you know, in my head. One of those things that you wish no, someone had never said to you because oh, yeah. once it's in there, then you can never forget it. So I kept thinking my time is running out. My time is running out, which I don't even know what making it means. That's such a, like a stupid kind of a phrase to say. What is making it even I know mean? for a manager, it means but, how much money they're making. Yeah, but so. <laughs> So I had that in my head and I, I thought uh, it was so hard to get to that to that place. I, I have this image of myself always like, you know, like a garage door is coming down and I kind of like, like rolled under just before, <laughs> just before the door slammed. And um, uh, I've, I've never not felt like that about show business. So um, I feel like lucky to be at the party at all. Well, as, as NYPD Blue was wrapping down, that must have been, I would think, a very hard time in some place that one where you're very proud for the work you did, but I'm sure the crew and everyone that's been on a show for that long, you probably got so close. It must have been like family. Yeah. Um, it really, it really, it really was. And it was very difficult. Uh, I remember, I remember filming, you know, the last, the last episode. Wow. That was very tough, very tough. Um, and in the episode, you know, in the sort of meta way, you know, my last little scene was saying goodnight to Sipwitz and walking out. Well, it's just supposed to be a regular day, end of the day. So you're not supposed to, you know, be weeping right. as you, <laughs> as you leave. Um, uh, but it was, it was very, that was very difficult. And, uh, I remember, you know, very distinctly the, the, the party we had afterwards and the, and the hanging out on the set and, you know, drinking some whiskey in one of the trailers and, the, um, and and Jesse Bajko, uh, who uh, is Stephen's son, who directed a, a, a number of the episodes, um, they knew that I I wanted I wanted one thing from the set. There was a kind of a just a, a badge, like a big sort of a I don't know, it's like a ceramic badge sort of thing that was hanging on the wall. Why'd you want it? Because it just reminded me of the set. It made me think of like this was the squad. It was the kind of most iconic thing in the squad room that I could think of. And as I was pulling out, and this is at night, and it was dark and sad and he came running out to the car and handed it to me and i thought oh my god that's so awesome so now, now do you now where do you have that i have it in my garage which okay. <laughs> doesn't sound very good but but actually i have all i have all memorabilia and stuff in my garage I, i've got uh you know all of the kind of like show posters and those kind of things i just i sort of hang them in the garage because i don't want to have them in the house but are you a big memorabilia guy? No, 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 Just, no. I'm not. A, I'm a kind of a minimalist. I'm kind of a hoarder. That's why I don't. I, I'm, not, I'm a non-hoarder. That's okay. why I don't want like to <laughs> mess the house up with a bunch of memorabilia. But I don't want to get rid of it. So I think of it as a gallery in the garage. Now in NYPD Blue, you got nominated for an Emmy, right? No, no, no. I thought you, I thought uh, you guys got nominated for an Emmy. Oh, the, well, the show was nominated for many Emmys and and won. And um, personally, I was nominated for SAG Award. Now, what's um, that like? That must be great because it's SAG. It's your. It's other oh, that actors. was fantastic. That was fantastic. And again, you get a nice, a nice gift bag. And um, what's in? And this is we're talking about back when gift bags were gift bags. Like oh, now they've no, changed. This isn't like the Oscar gift gift bags. No, no, no. I have a very nice top kit that I still use. It came from that. There you uh, go. I think it was like a Gucci thing or something. So I have that. Um, um, it's so funny that you're talking about the stuff you get and the swag and everything. You know, every year I I would wrap up the kind of um, 
this the swag stuff that you get and and give it to my nieces and nephews as christmas we put it all in like a one big bag and it's like a, a grab bag i don't even know who gets what you just right. hand out stuff to people <laughs> everyone used to think it was really fun now i get a lot less swag but i still do it so i i, I wrap up what little bits of things you get from uh you know, coffee mugs and hats and things that you get from places, and I, I give them away. But people love that stuff. People, you'd be amazed. Like, but like, coffee. I mean, it's amazing. You know, I went to a, a movie premiere, like not a premiere, just like at, in Burbank. It was like someone had tickets. It was like a not the yeah, big yeah, premiere yeah. like this. And these guys were like had these T-shirts, and 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 people are going nuts. Like ah, <laughs> that's what it is. So I'm ra- like, oh my god, it's just a T-shirt. It's a you T-shirt. Know? And so I wrap that stuff up now and give it to my nieces <laughs> and nephews, and we call it gift with purchase. So every present you open, you get you get one from the bag. <laughs> There you so, go. You know, woo-hoo. So now as you're doing NYPD Blue, were you still now, were you still being able to get on stage because you, or did, were yeah, you, was yeah, your no, I was, no, I was, um, uh, as much as possible. It is, it is doing a series and, and in those, that's the, one of the main differences between a lot of shows now and a lot of shows then, you know, is the number of episodes because we did 22 or 23 a year, every year for 12 years. And now, you know, shows do eight, 10. So the schedule is a lot more freeing. Uh, our schedule was, was pretty tough. Um, long days and everything. Um, but I did plays during the hiatuses all the time. Um, uh, a little bit in New York and mostly here. Uh, and so I, I always went back to that and that's always the thing that I loved the most. Um, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. I, I like, I like both. I've had, I've had great experiences in, in films and television and in the theater. So I've enjoyed all of them. Now, when did you get involved with Altheus? I, I pronounce it. Antius. Antius. I always pronounce it wrong. I, I was trying. I just, when I, oh, when no, I, no. No, when I posted Tony's uh, site, I'm like, I kept spelling it wrong. I kept going back. And I'm like, because I, I forget. And I'm like, oh, so now when did you get involved with that group? Uh, well, Antius is a, a, a sort of a actor's theater collective um, and a wonderful theater. We have, it's a membership company here in Los Angeles. We have um, some of the best actors in town uh, on our bench. It's a great bunch of people it's a funny name Antaeus it's the name of a Greek Titan uh, and he fought with Hercules his uh, strength was as long as he kept his feet on the ground he would be strong and never lose his strength and the way Hercules you finally got him was to pick him up you see it in some statues and things or statues of he picked him up off the earth and once his feet were off the earth then he lost his strength and this uh, company was founded by an actor called Dakin Matthews who's a very well-known Shakespearean actor and just played Winston Churchill with Helen Mirren in, in, in New York in the show she was doing about Queen Elizabeth. Um, a very talented actor. He founded the company and um, with this idea that actors would be strong as long as they kept their feet on the ground and they're reaching for the stars, you know, so that was his image. Um, uh, I got involved with them um, right around the time NYPD Blue was ending. Um, that was in um, 2005. Uh, and um, they asked me to to do a play with them, and I, I did. I had a great time, and I thought, like, you know, these are my people. You know, Los Angeles can be a very, um, uh, what is it, lonely town in many ways. Right. Um, I wasn't particularly lonely, but it can be a, a place where it's hard to, you don't run into people like you do in New York. You don't, you don't, people don't congregate in certain kinds of ways. Not, isolating, isolating yeah. is the word. I and it's spread out. So like when you walk yeah. down the street, like, you know, you walk down the street in New York, you're going to see 20 people. Exactly. I can take a walk in Burbank at nine in the morning and I won't see anybody. Oh, no. And so Antius is a place where so many people come together to, to uh, who like-minded people. And, uh, and so now I'm one of the co-artistic directors of the theater. And um, uh, so I'm there a great deal. Um, we produce uh, three plays a year currently. We're in the midst of a capital campaign uh, to build a new theater in uh, Glendale. So uh, the theater is thriving, and we're, we're, we're very excited about all the stuff that's going on there. And um, as you said, a number of actors, Tony Amendola, a number of actors who you've had on the show uh, are, are are guys who are members. Um, and, uh, you know, our audiences are very loyal and uh uh, our board is great. It's just a, it's a wonderful organization. And we have actors from all, um, at all ages and all kind of levels of, of their career because we have a training program. So we have actors, young actors who are just out of like, like, like how I would have been when I got here, just out of, uh, out of their BA programs or their BFA programs or their MFA programs who've come to Los Angeles and realize after, you know, spending a few months trying to get readings for co-stars or tiny parts here or there that, now, while that's all well and good, and that's why they're here in many ways, um, they still want to have a 
place where they can do the kind of work that interested them in the first place. And uh, NTS is a classical theater, so we do uh, Shakespeare and Chekhov and uh, and many other things as well. But um, it's so so we have a training program for those people to, to continue their skills, and we have actors who are on series and uh, in the midst of their careers, and then we have also older actors who things have slowed down for somewhat and and are and are still um, want to be involved. So it's a kind of a you know womb to tomb as they say. See, yes, that's that's a great program. It's, yeah. it's also it's so it's such a learning like there's such a learning thing for the people who come out here because a lot of times you're right, people don't know what to do when they when they get out of school and no one tells them. And if they get involved in this. They have mentors somewhat who absolutely, absolutely. There, there, people learning from the young. We have career goals groups. We have all kinds of things going on so that people can um, feel good about themselves, feel good about the career, feel good about what they're what they're doing. And then we put on these excellent shows, and um, uh, and the shows are all double cast, so that we have every show that we do has two casts because. Um, most of the members are making their living in film and television, and so they have to, on a moment's notice, you know, go to Vancouver to shoot something. Uh, we have somebody else who can do the part. So we, we, we create these things together, and there's a real ensemble feeling that way. Now, you're involved in this theater and then NYPD Blue Ends, mm-hmm. and you've had, you've worked, you know, the theater, which is great, and you worked with Milch, who's a genius, and yes. Bochco. So how is it, I mean, as an actor, when you're on a show for so long, and then you go back in in the, in the acting world, it must be not, I, I don't want to use the word frustrating because that's not right, but it must, I, I will use the word frustrating. It must be frustrating for you to, when you're going auditioning for new projects, it's like, it, it's like coming from, you know, you've flown yeah. first class your whole <laughs> life and they say, hey, you know what, you're going to get business class or coach. It must be, was, was it hard for you to oh, audition? Oh, no, that's, that is a very um, apt um, uh, metaphor. I'll tell you what's, I'll tell you what's sometimes difficult. Uh, and I, you know, you always know it's going to end. And we were very lucky at NYPD Blue. I mean, I had a 10-year run. That's crazy. Amazing. Nobody's lucky like that. Um, but, Sometimes I'll have an audition, you know, at 20th Century Fox where we, uh, where we filmed and I'll be like, that's my parking space. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Hey, Hey, that's my parking space. And there's, there's like, that's, you know, that's our, uh, our, our studio and there's somebody else there. It's, it's a little, it's a little weird because now if I go there, you know, I have to park like far away. They may they always make the actors when you're coming to audition, you always have to park like on the farthest, like, oh, you yeah. know, farthest parking lot of away that there is uh, and walk in. Luckily, I like walking, but um, yeah, that, that's that's always a little bit like, oh, wow, think times change, times change. It's good. Yeah, it can. I don't know. Um, I I did always think that it will be hard to find a show as good as this one, or one that I like as good, or a character as good as this one, um, because I love this character so much. It, I knew that it would be hard to find something equally as good, and 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 it has been, frankly. Um, you know, actually, that is why I love doing major crimes so much. And now, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working on uh, major crimes, and the character I play on that, Dr. Joe, this child psychologist, is um, uh, is really my favorite character that I've I've played on film since since NYPD Blue. I've loved this character in the same way that I did that one, and that's been really nice to find. Well, major crimes, as you know, Philip was on a few weeks ago, and uh, I, you know, I'm one of those people. I didn't watch the closer. Uh, my girlfriend did. That's right. My girlfriend did. And then it was just one of those things that we would, she likes TV. So we started watching major crimes and I'm like, yeah, well, I didn't watch the closer. You know, you think, and then yeah. I started watching it and it's one of those shows that I, I just really enjoy because it's, it it's a cop show, but it's also, it's got a lot of lightheartedness. I mean, the characters are just so they're well-written and it's like, you know, like one guy's grumpy and it's not always, it's, you're not going to sit there and go, you know, oh my God, you know, because major crimes is such a, a tough yeah. group. I mean, what they yeah. do, and I think they really add good light to it. And I think your character's good because, you know, you're helping Rusty, you know, because everyone, you know, Rusty, if you don't know, he was a street kid who was abandoned by his drug addict mom. And then he's living with the, the main lady mm-hmm. now and she's adopted him. And you're, you talk to him a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I play his therapist. I mean, I'm, I play a, a psychologist for the LAPD, but part of that is entailed working with him. Uh, and it, it's 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 been the show where I have felt the most like how I did it at those early days of NYPD Blue. Uh, the the crew their crew has been together a long time. They uh, it works like a, a you know the well oiled machine that you hear about. They 
they clearly all love each other. It, there's just a great sense from the top down, and it really always does come from the top, like like it did with Stephen Bochco and David Milch. It comes from the top down, and James Duff, who runs that show, uh, is amazing. At the table reads, you know, you really feel like when they say guest star, you feel like you're a guest in their home. They treat you in a in a way that you don't get treated other places. Uh, um, they're so uh, so kind and so open and um, Mike Robin, Mike Robin, uh, who is one of the producers of that show, uh, was a producer on NYPD Blue too. So that was like a nice kind of thing. He directs a lot of shows, and he's a great director. And he he started Doctor Joe, this character, off in the right way. Um, very, he's very sensitive. He he really helped Rusty and I figure out how to maneuver this relationship so that it would be fun and again would have legs to it. So it was something that could last. Um, and so Major Crimes has been a, uh, a just a joy to work on for that reason. Yes, and you're also on Shameless, which must be great because that's a, that's a well-written show. Shameless is, is excellent. Yeah, my part there has ended. I had a very funny, I thought it was very funny, uh, uh, a, a character um, who Emmy Rossum was working in a, a cup factory. <laughs> cup, C-U-P, a cup factory. Uh, and I worked in the cubicle next to her, and that was great fun. She's terrific, really talented. Wow. She's on fire. Um, and uh, I enjoyed that very much, but but major crimes is more like a, a well, it's such a cliche to say family. It really is, but that's what it feels like. It feels like a just good friends getting together to to work on a show. It, it, it just the whole spirit there is, um, it, it's just a, it's just a joy. What can I say? You can tell watching because everyone seems so relaxed. I mean, it's something you know yeah. you can just tell. It's a very relaxing when they're all when you see everyone in like the other cast, like everyone in the yeah. They all rooms. get along. They they hang out together. It's um uh you know I've known I've known Philip for years who was uh, on your show, uh, who plays Buzz and he's terrific and I it's been um and I know a number of the people on that show too. I mean I. I, I, I uh, Jonathan Delarco is a good friend of mine. Uh, Kata Mazer, who plays the DA, is a friend of mine. So it's 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 like it, it really is. There's not a lot of pressure, and it it just feels easy. And uh, and uh, Graham Patrick Martin, who plays Rusty, is one of the best young actors I've 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 come across, and he is such a treat to work with. He really is. I mean, he wants to throw the ball back, and you know, it really becomes like that kind of you know tennis match that they say, or the, tossing the ball back and forth. He really wants to. He really wants to work, and uh, so I'm happy to try to keep up with him. Right. Now, I also uh, looking on your website, which is uh, a very good website, people. Oh, it's, uh, it's a nice, nice to put up as, as things. Now, I said you do a lot of uh, you do some spoken word things. Now, when did you get? Because I've done some storytelling things. Oh, you have, and I, I it's funny because I'm having a background in stand up. I, I have a guy. He runs one on Eighth and Muse. It's uh, on Eighth and La Brea. And, um, oh, what's that one called? I think I maybe did it. Uh, it's uh, it's on oh, Saturday no. nights. I don't. I, I, I I'm, His name is skipping my head. Right, well, we won't, that's okay. That's up. okay. Yeah. But I went, and it was weird because having a background in stand-up, my short stories are sort of you know more humorous. But it's just it was it was interesting to me because you know when you do comedy, you want to laugh, you laugh, laugh. Yeah. But the storytelling, and I've done the few ones that you sit there and you have to, you know. You don't have to get laughs. That's that's like the safe yeah, zone. Like, you're like, yeah. oh. So now, how did you get involved in it? Well, kind of from the exact opposite approach. I I um I, I don't come from stand up or anything, but I I just had this idea I could write these little you know David Sedaris esque kind of stories, and uh, I worked with Beth Lapidus who runs on Cabaret. Right. Um, and I I think her um, original because she came from stand up and most of her people came from stand up and they were like comedians who wanted to do something besides you know, joke, 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 you know, set up punchline, set up punchline. They wanted to do longer form, you know, stories that were amusing, but didn't have that stand up, uh, you know, rhythm to them. So uh, I worked with her and uh, I wrote a few stories and I started doing the nights around town, uh, sit and spin. I love doing sit and spin, uh, spark, uh, rant on rave. Uh, there's a number of them around town, as you know, and uh, I'm doing one on uh, the 16th this month. I'll do um, the Hollywood Performance Marathon at Theater of Note, um, and I I do one every every uh, every couple of months. I I just read one of my stories someplace, and uh, they they are funny, but they again are not like um, like it's not stand up. Yeah, like it's exactly. not stand up. And it's that's what I like. I mean, I I know that's what I like because yeah, because it's not you can tell a story. And like the night I did the one at Muse, it was you know they had a um a girl telling like a fairy tale she wrote. And someone telling something, you know, everything was different, and it was enjoyable because it was like, yeah, and 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 then no one's judging you to be funny. They're listening. No, usually they're amusing and they're maybe they're poignant. Um, 
uh, I, I like to have, I like my stories to be kind of about something. So they're not just, it's not just a funny anecdote, but it's a funny anecdote that I hope illustrates then some kind of, uh, larger, uh, larger issue or something. I mean, I have a, I, I have a story about, uh, I want a, I, I want a blue ribbon at the LA County fair for table setting. They have a table setting competition. Well, that's awesome. and, thank you. <laughs> so we did this, uh, I, I, I want a blue ribbon, but it really, the story is not about the table setting competition at the LA County Fair, which is an amusing world, but it's about obsession because it was about how I became obsessed about winning this thing. So it's it's uh, that's how all my stories are. I, I try to make them up that way, and I've just enjoyed doing them. Uh, I don't know what they particularly lead to or anything. It's just another venue of something something to do, and it's a it's a really cool crowd of people that are involved in the, in the spoken word word world. And now you've written a lot of essays. Uh huh. Now, now I see one for uh, Out Magazine, a best-selling collection of essays. I love you, Mom. Uh, yes, I've written. I, I've written. Uh, written for Out Magazine. That's. A, uh, I've written. Um, you know, articles for different places and things. It's just sort of a something. Um, something else, you know, to do because acting is acting, as you know, is. Uh, uh, you 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 feel like you're always waiting for the job, and this was something about creating things for myself. So it's been it's been fun to do. It is fun because it's being proactive, and, and, yeah. and you get it. So now also you've traveled a lot overseas, I believe. Over I have. Um, and for the troops. Yeah, um, I've done a lot of. Um, uh, during NYPD Blue, we got involved with a lot of police organizations, obviously, and uh, that led to military organizations. And so I've been involved with the USO and the Armed Forces Entertainment, uh, and spent many Christmases. Uh, and holidays going overseas visiting the troops um, which is fascinating it's been extremely gratifying and, and a fascinating world because when I grew up in Tacoma we lived by two big military bases uh, uh, Fort Lewis and McCord Air Force Base and I have to say my parents were kind of uh, they're a little too old to be hippies but th- they were kind of um, kind of a little bit like that little granola-y, right. you know? And uh, so we did not have a, like a big um, appreciation for the military guys, you know? Um, uh, and my high school was full of military kids. Um, and I was real artsy. See, they were they were like very conservative and very, you know, law and order types. And I was real artsy. So I, I didn't really get along with them. But um, this changed my opinion entirely meeting the men and women uh, in the armed services it's been amazing so i've i've uh i've been uh to japan and bosnia and um the gulf and um uh italy and germany we have a lot of you know we, we've got military bases all over the world yeah. and uh um meeting meeting these people has really opened my eyes to the great job that they do and i have a huge huge sort of new respect and I've heard, I know comics who have done USO yeah. tours, mm-hmm. and I've heard when you meet them, you know, you're going because you, you have a respect for them, but I've heard they appreciate the visit so much. I mean, they just... I think so. I mean, I um, I think mainly because it, it's, the jobs they do are so boring on the, I mean, that sounds crazy. You think you're in a war and everything, and but but the day-to-day life you know, is very routine. And it can be, if you're like keeping guard on a ship, you know, you're standing there for, for eight hours a day, you know, just guarding the entrance to the ship, you know, if it's in port, those kind of things. There's a monotony to it. And so uh, the arrival of people from uh, Armed Forces Entertainment or the USO is it's just like a fun diversion. It's something different. It's crazy. And, you know, what I did is we, we toured all kinds of workspaces. Um, so I've toured uh, submarines and uh, uh, aircraft carriers and you know commissaries and every kind of every every and, and every different you know guys who who uh, are the mechanics for airplanes every different different kind of workspace and the pride that that the guys have it's uh, hospitals of course uh, the pride that people have in, in the work that they do is um, it's, it's been inspiring. It's amazing, you know, and I had a friend who was a officer in an aircraft carrier in San Diego and I got a tour and he was an They're o- fat, they're cool, aren't they? They're, they're really cool. amazing. But their rooms are so small. Like he was an officer Dang. and I go, "This is an officer." He goes, "Oh, he goes, no, he goes, you don't even want to see." Yeah, you and don't want to see what the guys are. Yeah. It's like it's, a closet with two bunk beds. I mean, it, it's amazing. I don't know how they do it. I'm uh, I'm I'm full of questions when we go on these things. I'm full of questions about how people live their daily lives in this um, people out in a tiny, like a tiny little outpost in Kosovo, you know, this tiny little outpost. And I thought, oh God, God, people are here for months. I don't know how they 
I don't know how they do it. I mean, it really makes us, you know, think like when we sit there and it's rain, like today it's raining. We're like, oh, we don't want to go outside. And it's like, well, wait a second. <laughs> They're like, you know, it's like them. I mean, it, yeah, it's amazing. No. So I feel, I feel that that's been one of the, when you talk about the celebrity and that kind of thing, the, the, the opportunity to, uh, to, to do this and, and meet the people that I've met through through those programs, um, that's been the best, kind of like, that's been actually the very best of the celebrity. See, that's awesome. We have a few minutes left. Um, I just want to, I saw something on your Facebook page. Is it a play coming up? Or Yeah, I'm going to be doing, at, at Antius, uh, at our theater company, I'll be doing Cloud Nine. That's our next show. It's Carol Churchill's uh, kind of um, outrageous take on imperialism and colonialism. And uh, it's got... It's a, it's a, it's a sort of a mad romp. It's got uh, cross gender, cross uh, men play women, women play men. Uh, the time period changes from uh, colonial Africa to uh, 1970s London. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a wild play, and uh, that'll be opening in March. We start rehearsal tomorrow, and that runs for a few weeks. That'll run in, uh, from March and April. Okay, now then, you're who, who else is in it? Anyone we know? Uh. Well, I know them. Regulars at the end. Yeah, it's people. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, people that you probably know over there. Uh, Gigi Birmingham and J.D. Cullum and Bo Foxworth. It's a great cast and uh, uh, directed by Casey Stengel, who's directed um, all over the country, the Guthrie and ACT in San Francisco. And we were very lucky to have her uh, in North Hollywood. So see, that's great. Now, now, where the theater's located? Where in North Hollywood? We're at um, Lancashire and Magnolia. And now people can know there's a website for it. Yeah, it's antius.org, A-N-T-A-E-U-S.org. People write that down and listen to that because I, you know me, I'm, I'm, I can't even pronounce it. I know it's Antius, but yeah. I always call it Antius. I don't even know why. I, it's, yeah. I, it's just crazy, and it's great because you know there's been a lot of you know these guys. They put on a great show, and it's so I think it's great that you do have the two sets of cast. So yeah, it, it's really fun. It's really fun, and you, you create it. it makes a camaraderie because we create this character together. I'll be doubling with this guy, J.D. Collum, who's an amazing actor, and I plan to steal every good thing that he does. And <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not kidding. So so um, it's a great, fun way to work, and we create this kind of thing together. We create this character together. Now, we'll be seeing you in Major Crimes next season? I sure hope so. They come back in March, um, and uh, hopefully that will not be the last season. I mean, the show does very well, so I'm, I'm hoping they'll have a, at least a few more years. Uh, and we just hope Rusty stays messed up for many years to come. <laughs> well, I think now it's good. I think it's good. And now he's getting, he's growing and getting better. I, I think that's good for you because people want to see that. So it's not as much conflict as I think it's something where you can help. I think they should have you start to become more of a mentor to him. Well, I would be very happy to, but he, he hardly needs my help. But I, I, um, the, the good news to me is that they've now using this character for other purposes besides being Rusty's therapist as a LAPD psychologist I've been called in you know to to um, on other cases so I think that's a very nice thing and I hope that they, they are able to continue that well I do too and you know people just you know if you haven't watched MAPD Bill I'm sure you can find it on Hulu it's, it's got to be in one of those yeah I think it's all over the place so yeah. you got to go watch it and watch it and, and, and go back and find one of his first episodes <laughs> and you'll go oh my god they talked about it detective but, hello <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Now, now, uh, give give all your Twitter and all that. Just give all that oh, stuff. Okay. So well, cool. it's Bill Brocktrup, B-R-O-C-H-T-R-U-P. Uh, that's my handle on Twitter and uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook. Um, easy to find. And it's Antaeus.org. Again, A-N-T-A-E-U-S.org. And that's the theater website. And you can find me there all the time. Now, do you in Instagram any of those table oh. settings? Oh, <laughs> I, I haven't, I haven't, maybe I will. And, um, uh, uh, cloud nine will be, um, up at NTA. So come and see that if you're, if you're in town and, um, uh, and my website is com, and it always has everything that I'm doing. So check that out, people, and follow them on Twitter, follow them on Instagram. And you know what? We're going to try to get them to put some of those table settings on, because I would like to see that, because I always I worked in restaurants for years. And so <laughs> people also follow me on Twitter. It's at, at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. I tweet a lot. Uh, Instagram, Cooper Talk one I'm always putting different stuff up, some fun stuff. Uh, my website, coopertalk.net. I have over 460 episodes where you can also send me an email, cooper at coopertalk.net, and I'll get back to you. Tell me what kind of guests you want to see, you know, who I'm trying to get, and we'll, we'll talk about it. And uh, if you have the uh, Android tablet, you can go to uh, the Google Play Store and get the Cooper Talk app. It's free. It'll go right to your phone, right to your tablet. As soon as I post on my website, 
they go up there. And also, I'm coming back into stand-up comedy. I have not performed in, God, six months. I will be at Flappers on Sunday, January 31st. I'll be opening for Hal Sparks. You know, from Lab Rocks and the talks, uh, he used to be the host of the talk. So come out. It's in the main room. It's a 7 o'clock show. Check that out. And then one more thing is my uh, cookbook, StopTheSalt.com. You remember when I went through the health problems? I wrote that cookbook. It's 120 easy recipes. No pictures to intimidate you. No major ingredients. If you don't have cumin, don't worry. You don't have to use cumin. Go buy it. You can buy it at my website. You can buy it at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. But if you buy it there, I make less money, like half the money, if you buy it at StopTheSalt.com. If you buy it from me, I will sign it. So check out all that. Follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. Check out Bill Brocktrop. Go to his website. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your eat your vegetables, drink your water, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next week.